Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, a resource of Orchard Africa. The mission of Orchard Africa is to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. For three decades, a passionate community of churches, leaders, and donors have worked together to feed, educate, care for, and empower under-resourced communities in Southern Africa. To date, Orchard Africa and its partners have served over 10 million meals to families in need, cared for over 75,000 orphan children, and enrolled 8,000 children in high-quality early learning programs. All of this takes place through local African leaders to help communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact in the places of greatest need in our world. Today is February 10th, 2021, and this is our very first episode of the Orchard Podcast. My name is Brian Lemieux, and I'm the executive pastor at Orchard Africa. And I'm also here with our founders, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf. Hello. Hi. Michelle is the CEO of Orchard Africa and provides directional leadership for our entire organization. And then Mike serves as our senior pastor and leader of our Orchard Pastor Network. Together, they, along with hundreds of other leaders and donors, have equipped churches in Southern Africa to respond to the immediate needs of their community, helping communities move from survival to stability to sustainability. And can you believe it? 2021 marks 30 years of work in yeah. ministry in Southern Africa. Amazing. Oh, gosh, yeah. Can I, you imagine that? 30 years. It, it's gone by in a blink of an eye. And, um, well, 30 years ago, I was really young. I think I'm still young. Yes. That would make you about 10 years old <laughs> when you first started. Is that right? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to think back to... A garbage dump being the birthplace for everything. Uh, most of us like to celebrate our birth heritage. And so we have the great privilege of saying, Orchard Africa was born on a garbage dump. Mm. But who would have thought mm. that 30 years of legacy could have mm. started there? Mm. And we're so thankful that it did. Right. Kind of reminds me of who would have thought that the savior of the world would be born in a stable. Yep. Mm. Yep. You never know what one step of compassion or one step of obedience will, will lead to you. And one meal exactly. given to a group of kids in need on a garbage dump led to now 30 years of impact yeah. all across Southern Africa and then uh, across, across the United the States. Yeah, mm. Right. We've it's often wondered and spoken, uh, we do this fairly often, is um, if we'd known when we took that first pot of food to the garbage dump, that what would happen in the 30 years after that if um, we might have thought differently about mm. what we did that day. Yeah, but um, I think it's been a great journey of not knowing and trusting the Lord and seeing his goodness in the land of the living. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a reason God doesn't always show you the whole picture at the beginning. Mm. Um, it could be overwhelming. It could be overwhelming, and probably a lot of people would say no to God if mm. they could look 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Mm. Uh, but thank God for his faithfulness, and it really, it's been an incredible adventure. Hmm. Well, thank you for listening uh, in on our very first episode of the Orchard Podcast. And our goal on this podcast is to give you the tools and resources that you need to be able to make the, the biggest impact that you can make to maximize your impact in, uh, in, in the world and in the lives of people in need. And this past year has been, uh, we've said it uh, many ways at many different times. It's been a year. Oh, boy. What 2020. A year. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a year for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, a year of uncertainty, uh, a year of, um, of questions, uh, of, um, of crisis. And for us at Orchard Africa this past year has been a year where uh, we just haven't known what was around the next corner uh, almost a week at a time. Mm. And so um, it's, been, it's been an interesting year. It's been a year where we've uh, had to trust each other on another level and then really trust in the, the providence and the, uh, and the guidance of, of the Lord and of God in the midst of all of that. And I, I just remember uh, when uh, 2020 uh, hit, it feels like 2020 started in March, uh, you know, in our minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, March, uh, middle of March 2020, I was uh, leading a team in South Africa uh, from the U.S. And uh, all of this information was coming out about the virus, the uh, airlines closing down, borders closing. And in the midst of that, we were trying to help our team um, get ready for the week, week ahead, but then also uh, as their flights were being canceled, get them home. And I remember one night during that week in March where we had also lost power uh, just by chance. Yeah, and that happens a lot in South Africa. <laughs> So we had no power, and uh, I'm outside. It's raining. Uh, I'm on my phone with the airline trying to uh, change my flight, get reception. I had a little lantern, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Uh, uh, teams inside. There's no lights. So it was it's just a, it's a crazy uh, moment when it all hit. Right. right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not always that bad in Africa, but yeah. March 2020. It was, it was what can go wrong. The perfect wrong. storm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, for us, um, our team in South Africa, very quickly after borders shut down, uh, were in uh, military-enforced lockdown. And so our entire team, all our pastors, were not allowed to leave their front gate. It was, that's as far as you go. And at the same time, the communities that we serve, who we know are vulnerable to start with, uh, children that we were feeding every day that could no longer come to the feeding projects uh, were also in lockdown. And so there we had our entire team in lockdown with the greatest need and children that were hungry mm. and adults that had lost their jobs and they too were hungry. And it was a very dark time because as an organization, we exist to help those vulnerable people, mm. but uh, we couldn't. We were legally not allowed to leave our homes. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of scrambling that had to happen uh, for us to be able to continue uh, actually doing our ministry. Mm. It was moment yeah. by moment trying to figure out what was happening. The news was coming out with new information and the South African government was making decisions. And right. so navigating right. all that at once. Yeah, and of course we had to and figure out what decisions do we make. I was uh, gearing up to travel to Africa. Um, it was the kickoff of our Orchard Network pastors meetings for the year, three different locations. Uh, we had flights booked, uh, accommodation booked, venues, caterers, all the invitations had gone out to the pastors and um, I was in the process of packing up and was ready to go. And suddenly all this mm -hmm. information started saying, well, what happens if I go and, as Michelle said, get stuck? Mm -hmm. um, I don't mind being stuck in Africa, 
but it's one of those things you got to think about is well how long might it be where would I be stuck? Well, at the what? time, we thought that this was going to happen maybe a month, four weeks, uh, right. maybe six weeks, you and I would be stuck in the United States. We could live with that. We had a lot of work to right. do here. And we thought, well, we can do four to six weeks over right. here. Right. And then we'll get mm. back to South Africa and do our jobs. Mm. Well, yeah, we're all sitting yeah. with uh, this thing having gone on for a year. Yep. It's just about a year later. Mm. Yeah. And if you're listening today, you have your own story right. of that 2020 moment when you thought, oh, just two weeks and we'll clear all this up and we'll be back to normal. And then, yeah, two weeks turned into a year. Mm -hmm. And so you were probably in a place as well where you were um, asking the question, so what do I do next? Um, how do I make a decision in the midst of so much uncertainty? And um, my decisions often affect the team that I, I lead or the, the church that I'm a part of or the family that I um, that I'm that I'm in, right. And Michelle, uh, during that year, you coined a phrase that was really helpful to our organization as we navigated decision making in 2020. Uh, it was tremendous help for us moving forward, even though there was uncertainty. Can you tell us about that uh, that statement and what that meant for sure. you? Sure. Um, as you said, uh, uh, this is something probably everybody experienced is this overwhelming uh, need to make decisions because everything had changed. Um, and in our organization, we have a team in the United States. We have a team in South Africa, various places in South Africa. And then we have over 800 pastors and church leaders that uh, look to us for leadership. And... It just seemed so much that was coming my way to make decisions. And the scripture in Matthew 6 just really spoke to my heart. The one that says, don't worry about tomorrow because sufficient to the day is its own mm. trouble. And it brought a peace to me. It's mm. let's not worry about tomorrow because today's problems mm -hmm. are enough. Mm -hmm. And so I coined a phrase called next step leadership. Mm. Let's make the very next step decision. What can we do next? And then after that, we'll make another decision as to what do we do next. Uh, are we going to make decisions for that day? Because as we all know, sometimes we made a decision for a week and mm -hmm. it had to change within mm -hmm. that week. And yeah. so we learned to make decisions for that day. But at the same time, keeping our eye on the long-term goal. We didn't lose our vision. We didn't change our mission. We didn't forget what God had called us to do. Uh, we kept one eye on that long-term goal and one eye on what is the next decision that needs to be made to get to that mm -hmm. long-term goal. Mm -hmm. That statement was so helpful uh, for me because I found that uh, we had to hold loosely mm -hmm. long-term plans during that time. We had our goal in mind for the future. We knew where we wanted to go, but we had to learn how to hold loosely um, the decisions that we already made. And with that, with each step that we took, it gave us a new perspective. Now we are in a different place. We're a little bit further to then assess where we are and then to take a step and then assess again. And the discipline of being able to evaluate, assess, and then make decisions when there's an ever-changing reality around was 
was a good tool in the tool belt. Right. And so what we were doing is needing to change our strategy, not our long-term goal, mm. not our long-term mission, mm. but just the, the strategy that we were using. Uh, it didn't work anymore. The old, the old strategy didn't work because of all of the restrictions. And so we had to change day-to-day strategy, but keep our eye on that long-term goal. Yeah, I think that term hold loosely is probably a key one and has been a key one for us because uh, one of the things we learned is uh, before March when 2020 actually started, we, we had a, a, a goals and objectives that we set for the year and we had various important key indicators of what was going to happen, when and how it was going to yeah. happen. And suddenly there were things that became more important than those key indicators mm. and decisions had to be made about those of what's important now um, to keep us on track to eventually get to those uh, long-term goals mm. in the end. Mm. But um, we had to hold loosely what was important mm. and make decisions about what was important each day, mm. right. and sometimes many times in a day. Mm-hmm. Right. We had to make sure that the very important things were being uh, taken care of. For example, our team. Our team that was in military-enforced lockdown, it was actually quite traumatic. And uh, we had to decide how do we meet our team's need so that they in turn can meet the needs of their community. Mm. And that became important is uh, their emotional and mental health became very important, Mm. uh, which actually if you had a look at our overarching goals and our key performance indicators for the year, we're not there (laughs) really, Mm. but it suddenly became Mm. more Mm. important Mm. than some of those other things. Mm. And one of the interesting things about being a multinational organization is you have changing realities that are different. Exactly. Yes. In different countries. That's right. And so if you uh, are a missions director or in some way work in uh, an organization that has m- multiple countries, you're then having to assess not only what's going on in your country, but what's going on in on the ground in the country at the same time making these next step mm-hmm. decisions. And so exactly, yes. help us um, kind of break down what goes through your mind, Michelle, when you think of the n- next step leadership moment. What what questions do you ask? So as we're thinking about future uh, decision-making, what, what should we be asking ourselves? Um, yeah, I think for me, the first question that I asked was, what's the greatest risk? When I have to make the decision, what is the greatest risk over here in making this decision? So for example, when the borders were shutting down, we had a a college team that was getting ready to leave for South Africa. You were in South Africa with the team and we had another college team uh, leaving for their spring break trip. And uh, of course, these college kids were saying to us, oh, we're strong, we're healthy, we want to go. It's uh, spring break, we're ready. Amazing team, ready to go. Uh, They were amazing, really ready to go. College kids are invincible. Exactly. But at the same time, I was hearing from other people saying, no, you can't let them go. You can't let them go. It, it, it's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I had to weigh up what is the biggest risk over here. These college kids are healthy and they are rearing to go and they are ready. And I knew that once they got to South Africa, they would be safe because uh, of uh, the venue they were staying and our team, etc. At that point, of course, we didn't know that uh, m- the team would be in lockdown. And so I had to stop and say, what is the biggest risk here mm-hmm. to make this decision? Uh, do these college kids go or don't they go? And the greatest risk I boiled down was, what if they can't get back? Mm-hmm. 
they'll get there because at that time the airlines were still uh, flying to South Africa. But I stopped and said, what if suddenly the borders shut down and they can't get home? Then I've got 20-something college kids in a foreign country uh, with a team in South Africa that who knows what they'll be required to do. And these kids will not be able to get home. Um, that to me was the bigger risk. Mm-hmm. And so we made the decision on the day that these kids were, they were getting ready to leave for the airport. Their bags were packed. Their bags were packed. They were about to leave and I pulled the plug. Mm. I was the nasty, hard, hard, hard decision. person <laughs> oh, so to hard. tell them, sorry guys, but mm. we are not letting you go. And it was the right decision because I think the very next day, yes. uh, the borders to the UK closed. And then mm-hmm. very shortly after that, the South African borders closed. So had they left, they would have been stuck in South Africa that biggest risk mm. factor that mm. I thought about. And mm. so for me, the first question is, what is the greatest risk? Uh, boil it down to what is that risk? Uh, I think the next question that needs to be asked is, do we have the resources to manage that risk? Okay. So let's get back to our, our college kids as an example, is if they were stuck in South Africa, do I have the resources on the ground to manage that risk? And the answer was no, because I did not know what our South African team would do. Would they be in hard lockdown or would Mm -hmm. it be just a stay-at-home kind of uh, flexible thing? Would they be able to take care of these colleagues? Would the Orchard Africa staff even be available? Would they be available or would these kids be on their own? Um, So you've got to ask, do we have the resources to manage that risk? And then I think in all the questions as we were doing this next step uh, leadership and basically it's risk assessment is what's the alternative. Mm. To me, that was like, it's like raising children or raising teenagers. If you say no to one thing, you've got to provide Mm. an alternative. Mm. And so if we were saying no, uh, we can't do a certain thing in our ministry. Well, what's the alternative? A good example of that was part of what we do. Our mission statement says that we exist to equip the church to care for the vulnerable. And so part of our strategy uh, in providing relief for children on the ground who don't have food is feeding projects. And children come to the churches that we support and uh, get a a cooked lunchtime meal. Mm -hmm. Well, we could no longer do that. The children were in lockdown. So what's the alternative? How do we pivot? How do we make a change so that uh, we can continue? And so the alternative was food parcels. Mm -hmm. We very quickly decided from our food bank is we're going to put together family food parcels and that would get distributed through the churches. And um, so you've got to provide an alternative. You can't just throw your hands up and say, this is too terrible. I can't do anything. It, it's, it's like triage where you have to stop the bleeding and do the best you can mm-hmm. in that moment mm. uh, to keep the patient alive. Mm. And so it's very much risk assessment, next step leadership. Mm. Mm. So uh, we, uh, we ask, what's the greatest risk? Do we have the resources to manage that risk? And then if we have to say no and do something different, what's the alternative? Uh, is there anything else we should we keep in mind as we think about next step leadership? Yeah, I think there's an important um, issue that underlies all those um, questions and the answers to them. And uh, that is the issue of credibility. Um, 
probably the greatest thing about leading people is if you're a leader, they should be followers. And uh, people will follow your leadership if they trust you. And you need to be very, very aware that there is enough trust amongst the people that you lead for them to accept that you might be making a decision that was different mm. from the one that you made a week ago. And it might be different from the one that you have to make tomorrow. Um, and so if you're going to be making decisions that are very different to what people expected or what people were anticipating, like cancel the trip, <laughs> there has to be a credibility amongst the people who are affected by that decision or whose plans might have to change because of that decision. Right, so it comes um, back to that keeping your eye on the long-term goal so that the decisions you make, uh, you're not zigzagging all right. over the show. You're still leading people. They trust that you're going to get to that end goal that they came on board for in the first place. Yes, I, th I think wh what I'm trying to say is the, the people you lead uh, have to respect that you have a reputation for not just changing your mind for no reason. Right. Or not just, hey, I had a great idea when I woke up this morning and God spoke to me in the middle of the night and so now we're going to do something mm. totally different. Mm. There needs to be, this is trust. And when the person who's making the decision makes it, there's a good reason for it. And we... Uh, there's enough credibility that exists for us to follow that decision, even if it might change mm. uh, a week from now. You know, one of my mentors many years ago said that um, you always have to take people with you in the decisions you make as a leader. If you run too far ahead of them, eventually they'll catch up, but they'll tackle you right out of the ministry. And uh, for, for people leading missions organizations or missions uh, ministries within churches, uh, you're going to have to make decisions and probably have made a lot of decisions that are next step ones. Um, if you are uncertain about the trust level, well then communicate those decisions first to a few people. Get their buy-in and then let the ripple effect uh, move sort of broader and broader to more and more people. Mm. You know, a couple of things that come to mind when you say that, Mike, is the the fact that uh, a good next step leader who's effective in making those decisions and bringing people along with them means that re it requires them to be really consistent when it's Correct. not maybe a next step crisis kind of moment exactly. so that you're ready and you have that equity mm -hmm. of trust to yep. be able to make those decisions when the crisis comes and when you have to make a hard call. And so how important it is when we're not in a COVID 2020 kind of moment to be able to build up all the, the trust that you need for, yeah. for making those decisions later. And then the other thought is um, uh, sometimes you have to make a decision with other people. Sometimes uh, those big decisions that you make in a church or in uh, your organization, not because you're a bad leader, but it's a big enough decision that you can't make it by yourself. You need others to right. be alongside with you. And uh, I think it's really, that credibility question is really, really important for not only that moment, but then what happens to the ministry organization after yeah. the crisis is complete. And, and we did that with our team. We, we uh, like everybody else, use technology to gather our team more regularly than we did before and uh, discuss changes all the time so that people came along with us, that they didn't feel like we were just making decisions randomly, but mm. 
always building mm. on their trust and bringing our team together mm. along the way, help they helping us make those decisions. Mm. There's definitely a people side to Next Step Leadership. It's not just the decision or the task or the action, but it's also uh, discerning what's the heart condition right. of the team and what does Next Step Leadership mean for them because it affects our staff, our team, our mission teams and uh, and those, uh, for in our context, uh, those who support uh, the work that we do. Yeah, yeah I There's think people it's, involved. It's, it's great if every uh, team that is led or if every leader has a team uh, and when a decision is made, that team knows that this decision is made with our best interests at heart, not just mm -hmm. to get a job done mm. or to do something that's popular. Mm. But what is in our interest? And then ultimately what's in the ministry's best interest in the long term. Mm. Right. I think it's always important to remember that um, we lead an organization, but it's made up of people. Yes. Mm. And people's uh, mental health and emotional health and stability and family are all very, very important in a crisis. And uh, that becomes... A, a very important part of Next Step Leadership is to make sure that your team is healthy. Mm. Well, let's, uh, let's get real practical here for a moment. There's a lot of people listening in who may be responsible for the missions ministry of their church, uh, maybe a missions director or, or a leader in the church, and you're, you're responsible for making the decision about do you send uh, mission teams uh, on the ground uh, this year, or don't you? And as uh, we've had conversations with other partners and churches, and you know, everybody's asking this question right now, how do we know if it's the right next step leadership decision to make in sending a team? Is it a go or a no-go? How, how do we know um, how to make that decision? And so, Mike, what, what, what's your thought on uh, a, a couple questions that maybe they can ask as they're thinking through in this year and this mm -hmm. climate? Um, with some uncertainty? what? There are a few good questions that yeah. I think um, every missions uh, leader should ask. The first one, probably the most important one, is um, what is the status of the country that you intend to visit? Um, most airlines have travel advisories, and you can get those from uh, the government departments in your home country. Um, sometimes they're accurate, but they're not always as accurate as what we would like them to be. And so... Uh, it's, it's vital that you have a good relationship with a hosting organization. If you're a sending church, who is your hosting partner? Yeah. Listen to what they say. Uh, they probably have better ears on the ground than most. Correct. And so what's going on in the country? And trust what your hosting partner tells you is going on mm. and use that to influence your decision. Um, the second one is, um, how prepared is my partner to receive our mission? Um, as we said earlier, uh, ministry is actually about people. And when you are sending a team to a country, ultimately it's people going to people. And is your partner ready for a bunch of people from one country to come into their country? Uh, are the local people on the ground ready to mm -hmm. suddenly be invaded by what possibly could be a bunch of um, infection carriers. Mm. I, I, I think we sometimes think about our safety and we don't really think about the safety of those that we mm. plan to minister to, mm. but could p 
possibly be endangering. And so uh, is your partner ready? And are the people that they work with on the ground uh, ready? Mm. And then, of course, uh, airlines, um, as, as we learned, the airline question is always a big one. Um, is the airline that you're using going to keep flying? Is there a risk that your flight back home could be cancelled? Are they going to send you all over the world to get home? Um, how's that going to affect your, your timing, your budget? Um, is there going to be cost involved? So um, that's an important one. And then if uh, you happen to get stuck, what plans have you made? For that, mm -hmm. you know, we, we can't foresee everything, and so the decision is made. We're going, and the unfortunate situation arises where the team does get stuck. Well, are you prepared for that? What contingency plans do you have to make sure that your team is cared for, and um, your people aren't put at more risk than what they're already facing? Um, because it's always risky. Um, even under the best of circumstances, it's always risky to take a team to a foreign country, mm -hmm. especially an underdeveloped country where most mission teams go. And so <coughs> when s the situation is, is sketchy, like it has been during the COVID season, you've just got to give a lot more time to considering uh, all those questions, but seriously consider what do I do if the worst happens? And how do I prepare? If I'm not prepared, how do I prepare for that? And then again, you've got to be thinking about the hosting uh, organization, your family uh, of, of, of your team back home. People have kids, people have parents, people have families, people have jobs. What's going to happen if suddenly for two, three weeks they can't get home? I think, though, that um, things have changed since... 2020 and we're now in 2021 and, and churches are going well do we start planning for mission right. trips and I think the answer is yes uh, Orchard Africa is planning for for uh, the hosting of teams coming uh, we have a lot of plans that we've already made uh, we have teams on our calendar we geared up as an organization that will be hosting teams uh, we've made contingency mm, plans that's through all the protocols we've, exactly mm -hmm. we have a lot of protocols that we've it, it's been a lot of work mm. but we're ready uh the only thing that uh is holding us back is will borders be closed or open at the time that the team's about to leave right. uh, are there airlines that will be flying um and i think we've had a year under our belt all of us uh we were so unprepared this time last year but we've learned a lot and we know what we can do, what we can't do, what kind of groups governments are mm -hmm. allowing to gather, which mm -hmm. ones are not being allowed to gather, and we're working around that. And uh, I think that we should be planning mm. our trips and then next step leadership as mm -hmm. we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably what we've learned is what are the good questions to ask where maybe a year ago we wouldn't have even thought about those. But now we know, mm. as Michelle said. So you can ask those questions and you can plan properly. And in Next Step Leadership, when it comes to mission teams for us as an organization, we've, we've planned like they're going to happen. And uh, we actually are real optimistic about uh, mission trips in 2021, but then also prepared right. uh, if they don't. Right. And so you have to kind of hold both of those intention at the same mm. time and plan like it's going to happen and uh, make sure you're ready to go in every detail is is covered and then again we hold it loosely and right. we keep our teams 
aware of that. Right. Our organization is continuing ministry in Africa, and our team on the ground every day, they, they've figured it out, and we're working in Africa, and uh, our church communities in Africa are saying, well, when are we going to get U.S. visitors again? We're ready. When are they going to come again? Um, and so I think we, we can't get stuck in a hole. Mm. We've got to find ladders to get out of that hole. Mm. Mm. Well, sometimes in next step leadership, after we, ra- uh, we, we weigh the risks and we assess the resources that we have and we, uh, we, we just inevitably have to make a decision that's a hard decision. It's a decision not to do something or to change something. We have to also at the same moment, in the same breath, be able to ask that question we, we, we mentioned earlier, that what's the, what's the alternative and how are we going to innovate in light of the changing realities of our world? Innovation's been a really big word in the last year, and we found that at Orchard, um, as soon as we found out about the changing realities of, of COVID in March, we began having conversations right away with, let's, let's not wait and just see what happens. Let's innovate now. Let's try to get ahead of the curve so that we're ready to be able to take the next steps that we need to take. And mm. sometimes the challenges or maybe the, um, the, the problem that leaders or organizations can have is they wait too long to be able to try to solve the situation, maybe hope that it, you know, it irons itself out or it goes away. Yeah. And after we had uh, that last mission team in March of 2020, we came back, sat around the table and said, well, so what are we going to do next? Uh, what are we going to do next for our teams? What are we going to do next for the the work that we do day in and day out on the ground? And so uh, don't don't wait to innovate. Uh, start that work right away. Yeah. Exactly. We we did that. Um, as I said, uh, South Africa went into military enforced lockdown, and our team were in their homes, could not leave. But we quickly innovated, and we. S- Uh, found out what does it need for Orchard Africa to become an essential service in the country and applied for an essential Mm. service license, which we then received. Uh, As soon as we got it, we helped the churches that we work with to get essential service licenses. And in South Africa, the church became the first responders. And so where we had children who didn't have food, it was church leaders going into the community with food parcels. Uh, where people were sick, where um, the the greatest need was you would find church leaders out in the community because we very quickly innovated and said, we are first responders. We want to be first Mm -hmm. responders. Let's find out how we do that. And our team were then allowed um, out of uh, that enforced lockdown. If a military personnel stopped them, they had the, the license and... Um, our church leaders were out there doing their jobs, uh, which we did very quickly. Mm. And it didn't happen overnight. The, the processing of getting that um, permission and getting licensed. Um, so had we waited, exactly. it would have been that much longer for um, families to go without need and food insecurity was right. a major, major problem. And so had we just waited and tried to see if the, res- the situation would resolve itself, we would have actually been behind uh, in the relief effort. So we were actually right on the front, maybe maybe one of the first, right on the front line providing relief 
in, uh, in, in that, that time of need. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the United States was about two weeks ahead of South Africa in terms of lockdown. And I saw, as the United States was uh, going into lockdown, how food disappeared so quickly off the shelves. And I woke up one night uh, over here at about 2 a.m., with this distinct impression to phone our South African staff and tell them to go out and buy food. Mm-hmm. That was before the lockdown. Bulk food. Bulk food. So I got up. It was 2 a.m. here. It wow. was nine hours ahead in South Africa, and I phoned one of our staff members with a long list, a huge list, go out and buy this food. And he was like, what? Why? I said, I don't know. Just go and do it, which he did. He went out that same day, and I told him, don't wait. Go out and buy it. There's money in the account. Just go and do it. That very night, South African president uh, announced the lockdown that mm. was coming. Mm. And had he waited, the very next day, food was flying off the shelves. We would not mm. have gotten that food. And all of that food is was what we had in uh, the Northwest province, for example, to do food parcels mm. as soon as our church leaders were able to get out of lockdown. And so you've got to think on your feet. You've got to listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You've got to... Um, be hearing and listening mm. and, and making those decisions mm-hmm. uh, quickly and not getting stuck. Mm. And sometimes we are making decisions. We didn't actually know how we were going to do it. We just knew that we needed to do it. Right. And, you, you know, there's the, the whole saying that you, you're, you're kind of flying the plane and building it at the same time. And there were some moments like that where we, right. were, we were trying to do that. Yeah. Right. We did yeah. that with mission trips uh, where... Well, we got no teams going to South Africa, but we still want to engage our United States churches. And so uh, maybe you can talk about that, Brian, because you were uh, very much involved in building uh, virtual trips. Yeah, so we came back from the, that last trip in 2020, and we said we, it doesn't appear that we're going to be able to send teams anytime soon, and so we need an alternative. And so we began thinking about what would it mean to have a mission experience that we could bring to people virtually and digitally? And I went and kind of searched online, and unfortunately, there wasn't nope. any blueprint or or model. So we just said, well, <laughs> we asked the question, what do we already have in our hand? What has God already provided to us? And what are some of the ways that we can... Um, transform maybe some tools that we had in the past and bring new life to them. And uh, we found that we had a whole lot more in our hands than we, we realized. Mm. And so we were able to uh, uh, shoot video that uh, we were able to take uh, content from the past and we created a five-day virtual mission trip experience. Last year, we had over 200 people signed up for a physical mission trip, uh, one of the biggest years we were going to have. And then after the first team... Uh, was the last team, we thought, what's going to happen next? Well, by the end of the year, through virtual mission trips, we were able to actually send more people than we had planned through a a virtual experience. Never could we have imagined. But it was that idea that we didn't quite know what the end product was going to be. We just knew we had to build it, so we started building it and talking about it. Right. Yeah, that was a great innovation. And um, as you said, don't wait. And it's a tool that we can use going forward. Yes. Because there are always people who can't get to South Africa or to another place, and so it was a great tool. And Mike, well, the other, what, the other yeah. thing that we innovated very, very quickly was we have 800 pastors in our Orchard Network. 
they're accustomed to a meeting once a quarter, a live meeting uh, in person. And I mean, those meetings have always been for them, uh, for a huge, huge number of them. It is the place where they come for encouragement and ministry and fellowship and just feel like mm-hmm. they belong to something important. And suddenly that was off the calendar when we realized that uh, this is not going to be a few weeks or even a few months. Um, what do we do? How, how, how do we still engage with these pastors? How do we still train them? How do we still mm. provide the mm. encouragement they need? And of course, there's this wonderful technology out there which we hadn't felt a need to use, but suddenly there was a tool mm. that we had to learn how to use. And so uh, we started putting out videos, four or five minute videos. Initially, those videos went out daily to our pastors, mm. addressing subjects which we felt were necessary uh, to help them and build them up and just um, give them some encouragement. Uh, we, we found out that WhatsApp is a great platform uh, that's used in Africa for communication. And so those videos were yep. put out on WhatsApp, uh, voice messages. Um, instead of having live meetings with pastors, I set up uh, Zoom calls with smaller groups of pastors. Mm-hmm. And suddenly African pastors who had never even heard of Zoom we're doing international Zoom group calls. Um, and in November 2020, Michelle and I eventually had the opportunity to go go to South Africa for the first time that year. And Michelle mentioned this, that everywhere we went, one of the first words we heard was, thank you. Mm. Thank you for mm. being there. Thank you for caring for us. Mm. Thank you that you were the sometimes the only voice that I was hearing in the midst of all the darkness mm. and the confusion. And so... Again, uh, training pastors didn't stop because we couldn't go. Mm. Uh, we just had to take a decision of how do we meet that need in a way that looks slightly different. You know, at the kind of the bottom, one of the bottom line thoughts is um, people are counting on us to mm. innovate when there's a crisis. In our context, there's thousands and thousands of vulnerable families that are counting on us to have the courage to innovate and to think of new ideas and to try things that may not work. Experiment. Uh, Pastors are counting on us to um, think of new ways to do what we do. And and, and the same is for you in whatever context that you're in. Um, There are people counting on you. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's an organization that you lead. And um, God compels us to... uh, to be next step leaders and ask the right questions and innovate. Mm. Exactly. But I do think that um, you need to innovate towards the same big goals. Uh, Keep in mind what it is that you're hoping to accomplish and keep innovating toward that. Uh, As I said, find a different strategy for the same goal. And that's what we did, where our strategy of equipping church leaders in Africa, um, we did that in the past through large group meetings, small group meetings, in-person meetings, and we couldn't do that, and so we had to find a way Mm. to innovate. And I know that in the United States, technology is easy and people quickly adapted to that. But in South Africa or all over Africa where we we minister, technology is expensive. Uh, Data is expensive, Mm. and most church leaders don't have access to unlimited data. And so we had to innovate, but within their capacity. Mm. Uh, so a WhatsApp can handle a four-minute video without too much data. And so we 
made a decision, nothing more than four minutes. Uh, it will be daily if necessary, but not more than four minutes so that we could innovate with the goal of equipping our church leaders, being there for them, making sure that they felt love, but within the capacity that they had. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, always have to take into consideration uh, what's the the right decision for the the bigger purposes that that we're aiming at. Mm. In just the last minute or so that we have on this podcast, um, Mike, uh, any, any kind of closing closing thoughts as we think about next step leadership and uh, how what can we give them as we as we say goodbye. Well, I think um, the important thing for every leader is don't stop dreaming. Don't lose sight of your mission. Don't lose sight of what you ultimately believe God wants you to do, even though you're having to make decisions that seem like it's going to take a long time to get there. Mm. And then uh, there's a passage of Scripture which really spoke to us, certainly spoke to me, and um, I'd like to share that, and hopefully it speaks to you. Uh, it's in Second Corinthians 4, uh, verses 8 to 9. And for emphasis, I'm going to read it slightly different from the way it's printed. It says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. We are hunted down. We get knocked down. And those words, I think, describe 2020 pretty much for everybody, certainly for us. What I've not read is a whole bunch of buts in the middle of those statements. And they say, but we are not crushed and broken. But we don't give up and quit. But God never abandons us. But we get up again and keep going. Mm. And so in the midst of all the trying and pressing and perplexing circumstances, it's very important to remember there's a God and there's a but. And in spite of how dark and how hard it gets, God never abandons us and we get up and we keep going mm. it may not be as easy as what we would like it to be but with god it's possible so we do not give up and we do not mm. quit we get up again and we keep going i trust that every leader will keep that at their heart no matter how many next step mm. decisions they have to mm. make mm. that's good that's a good word that's a good word every step that we take God's taking that step yep. with us as well. Well, thank you so much for listening to our very first episode of the Orchard Podcast. I want to take a moment and thank the Orchard community who gives monthly to support the work of caring for the vulnerable. Your regular and generous giving made it possible for us last year together to, to care for 27,000 plus people in need. And it, it makes uh, this podcast possible as well. Well, if you'd like to join the Orchard community, you can do that by heading to our website, www.orchardafrica.org. And there's all kinds of information there about it. The Orchard community is a group of passionate monthly givers who are equipping the church to care for the vulnerable. As a part of the Orchard community, you can make real sustainable impact in the lives of vulnerable families. For just $30, you can feed and care for a child for an entire month. It's also an opportunity for deeper connection. We have a number of gatherings that we have throughout the year to keep our community together and connected and informed, and we'd love to have you be a part of that. And finally, we have some exclusive updates for those that are part of the Orchard community. We have a podcast that's sort of Orchard Africa from the field 
that provides the latest on what's happening on the ground, and we would love to have you be a part of that as well. Well, in our next episode, we're going to be having a conversation about a topic that's really important to us at Orchard Africa. It may be the single most important question to ask in making the right kind of global impact, the kind that really moves under-resourced communities and ministries forward. Well, for Mike and Michelle and the whole Orchard Africa team, thank you so much for listening and look forward to talking to you next time.